0: we face. Certainly not stoning to death, certainly not the rack, certainly not shot through with arrows. Uh, We might uh, get rebuffed. Someone might not want to talk to us. Someone might call us a a Holy Joe or something like that. We might possibly be looked over for a promotion. Uh, We might be left out of uh, Aunt Matilda's will because we decided to follow Jesus. So our, our uh, persecution is a little different uh, over here, isn't it? And yet, I can guarantee you, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It doesn't matter what century you live in or what country you live in. If we're living godly, we won't have to go out and look for trouble. Trouble will find us. All we got to do is let our light shine and it's like uh, we attract it. You say, oh no, maybe I shouldn't let my light shine. No, no, that's a mistake. You hide your light under a bushel, and uh, that's, not, that's no way to live. There's, uh, there's great freedom and power and joy in letting our light shine, and even though it attracts trouble toward us, hey, that's okay. God sends his best blessings like a... A locomotive uh, with the train cars of blessings. They run along the tracks of trouble. You get a couple of tracks of trouble in your life, start rejoicing. You know, put your ear to the track. You'll hear the rumble. Because God sends his blessing. Well, let's look at this here. Verse 28, he says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, Wow. But to you of salvation and that of God. Now the adversaries are people who've turned against you. That's what an adversary is. Maybe uh, people have turned against you when they found out you're a Christian. Maybe at work or at school perhaps and everyone said, Hey, let's all go to the bar. You coming? And you said, No, I'm not. And they say, What? Why aren't you coming? Well, I'm a Christian and I don't go to bars. Oh. He's a Christian. She's a Christian. And then they turn their back on you. Well, adversaries are ones that turn on you. And so um, they naturally persecute Christians. That's what adversaries do. That seems to be their job. Uh, They like doing it. If we are properly standing for Jesus, we will not be terrified. Let them turn on us. It's all right. We have nothing to be afraid of. You see, it's an evident token of perdition. The very fact that they've turned on you and they're making life hard for you, saying things or doing things, persecuting you, is an evident token of where they're going. Uh, The idea is their persecution is proof that they belong in hell. That's the evident token of perdition. But for you, of salvation... The persecution is an evidence that you're saved. If you can go through life and get zero persecution, have no one turn on you, everyone loves you, everyone applauds you, you have no trouble from the world, you got to wonder, you know, am I really saved? Can anybody see Jesus in me? Because the devil's got a lot of people out there. And some of those people got nothing better to do than to persecute Christians. And we've had it as a church. We've faced it, haven't we? Um, More than once, actually. But we've had it happen to us. And what Paul writes here is that when your adversaries turn on you and say things or do things because you're a Christian, now, obviously, if you break the law, if you do nasty things yourself, you're going to reap what you sow and people will, you know, be hard on you. If you break the law and you get arrested, don't think you're suffering for Jesus. You go out and play, uh, play on the highway, you know, the, the freeway where the cars are racing past you and you go and you sit there and you say, well, I, I'm a man of faith, I'm, I'm just going to have faith that I'll be okay and you go and stand there and you get hit, pow! And dragged about 200 feet down the pavement, road rash, they call that. Hmm? You end up in the hospital, all four limbs in traction all wrapped up in bandages. You can barely look out of one eye. I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're suffering for stupidity. Let's be honest. But if you're living for Jesus, you're reading your Bible and praying, you know, you've got the joy of the Lord in you, people will see it. And it'll it'll attract people. And some of them will just come to you because they like that. Others will come to you because... They want to put your light out. <laughs> but the adversaries, when they say or do things, that's a token that they're on their way to hell. And it's for you, it's a token that you're saved. It's an evidence that you're saved. That's interesting, isn't it? Verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Take your pen or pencil and underline that word suffer, would you? That's important that we know this. It's not just believing on him, but also suffering for him. We're talking about suffering for Jesus. And here you see that part of our job as Christians is to suffer for Jesus. Suffering is actually a privilege. I'll show you. If you turn back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, Now, let's see here. Acts chapter 5, we have uh, Peter and John who were uh, preaching for Jesus and telling people about heaven and what a joy it is to be saved and Jesus is the Messiah and he's the only way. And so they got arrested and um, accused, and so on and so forth. And um, they got in trouble with uh, the the law of their land. And so they decided, verse 40, they called the, the apostles and beat them. See that in verse 40? They called the apostles and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Don't you ever speak to people in the name of Jesus ever again. This is after they got beaten. Not before, after. they're, They're bruised, they're hurt, they're probably open wounds and blood is pouring down. And then they were told, never talk in Jesus' name again. And they let them go. Verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council. What's that next word? Rejoicing that they were counted, what's that word? Worthy. Worthy to suffer shame for his name. Well, what'd they do? It says, so the next verse here, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And so their government says, do not teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And they beat them up bad and let them go. And what they do? They rejoiced. The first thing they did was rejo- How could they rejoice? What, what would make them rejoice? Because they were walking in Jesus. And when you walk in Jesus, you see things different. You understand it. But they counted it a privilege here. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's how much love they had for Jesus. You know, many Christians today, they'd struggle with that, wouldn't they? They'd say, oh, you won't get me to open my mouth. I'm going to shut up. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, think of how much Jesus suffered for you. Remember? How much he put up with, and he could have, folks, he was God in the flesh. He could walk on the water, he could raise the dead. When they came to arrest him, Uh, they said, uh, he said, who who seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And all he said was, I am he. And they all fell to the ground. And here he is, arrested. He could have just said, drop dead. And they would have all, all of them, There's a whole big crowd of them would just drop dead right like that. He could have done that. But then how could he die for our sins on the cross? He had to drink the cup, all of it. And he suffered at the hands of man. More, I think, than, than anyone has ever suffered. The greatest crime in all earth's history was when they nailed Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to the cross, hung him there, bloodied and bruised, and he was stripped naked too. And so think of all he suffered for us. So that when we suffer for him, it brings us into a close fellowship together with Jesus. Jesus is not to leave you alone when you suffer. When someone says something that hurts you, they open their mouth and they try and hurt you, and they manage to do that, and they hurt you. Or someone throws something at you or takes something from you and does something unjust to you your adversaries, well, that's a token of their own perdition. That's an evidence they're on their way to hell. But for you, it's an evidence you're saved. And uh, the apostles, if they were in your shoes right then when someone said something nasty to you or took something from you, they would rejoice. They may not jump up and down and, you know, wave their arms and everything, but in their heart they would rejoice. Paul and Silas. Remember, They were in the jail in uh, Philippi. And they were singing hymns. Do you remember that? Do you remember reading that? Acts chapter 16? Yes? No? Yes? Yeah? How could they do that? Because they were walking in Jesus. They were living in Jesus is what they were doing. And so in verse 30 having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul reminded them once again that when he went and started that church in Philippi that he suffered. (laughs) They arrested him, they beat him, him and Silas. They put them both in an inner prison and put their feet in the stocks uh, and uh, charged the jailer that if uh, they escape, it's your life. And so anyhow, they, they suffered there in the prison and now where is Paul he's in Rome in another prison And so this is what he means having the same conflict which he saw in me you saw this happen to me you saw me get arrested and I was in jail and now you've you've heard that you've heard the same here and now here to be in me you you've heard it uh, they told you yeah it's true i'm in another jail only this time it's over in Rome Many people today seem to think that being a Christian means going to church and trying to be good. Well, going to church and trying to be good is proper, it's fine, nothing wrong with that, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. Some have the idea that if they get baptized, they're a Christian. Well, that doesn't work, we know that biblically. You can get baptized all day, every day, the rest of your life and you'll never be a Christian. Some people think they're a Christian because they pray and read the Bible and maybe give money. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not what it really means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means that Jesus is living his perfect life through us. And just as the world persecuted Jesus, so they will also persecute us. And that's where the suffering comes in. That's the point four, right? The suffering. Suffering for Jesus was point four in this little uh, message here. How can we endure it? We can endure suffering easily when we take a stand for Jesus at home and at work, living for Jesus, and making the gospel known. That's the third of the four points, standing for Jesus. We can suffer for Jesus because we're standing for Jesus. Jesus. And we can only really stand for Jesus when we are serving Jesus. If we're not serving Jesus, we're not going to be able to stand for Jesus. So we need to be serving Jesus. And it all goes back to point number one that we started with tonight. And that's one day seeing Jesus. If we'll keep our eyes on that. We can get through anything. A popular hymn in our hymn book goes something like this. Sometimes the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur, and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. And the chorus, you know it? Say it along with me. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. So folks, let's just keep on living for Jesus and serving Jesus Because one day, it really will be worth it all. Amen? Let us pray.